Welcome to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me is the co-host with the most, Ward Carroll, and our special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner. A lot to talk about uh, this week. Number one, we're going to be joined by uh, the Navy track and field coach, Jamie Cook. We're also going to be joined by a couple of mids, Lily Myers and uh, Unsat Mid, to talk about the current ROM situation at the Naval Academy. And what better way to start this podcast than to talk about the most recent developments in that. So Heather Mongilio of the Capital Gazette, Bill Wagner's co-worker, uh, released a story this morning as we taped this on March 16th, the day before St. Patrick's Day, about um, the, the new approach that the Naval Academy is taking to uh, midshipmen, particularly midshipmen who violate ROM. Um, you know, that the violating the protocol will result in 20 demerits, the loss of weekend liberty, um, whenever that weekend liberty is restored, and an additional seven days of restrictions uh, when they are eased. And that's all um, according to a memo that the Academy approved on March 11th and then was put out by the Brigade XO uh, midshipman Bodiford, who wrote in an email to the entire brigade a basic summary of that whole thing, but the the main uh, eye opener was her quote: "Our blatant disregard for the orders given to us by the commandant and midshipmen will stop today." I, I I like this. You know, I don't like that David Tuma and the you know the the USNA at large Facebook group, which calls itself a, a media outlet is re- is releasing this stuff getting access to it and releasing internal emails and memos but it's it's a sign that the naval academy is taking this situation seriously you have a very odd chain of events you've got midshipmen on the yard you've got midshipmen in hotels you've got midshipmen at their sponsors houses and you've got a pandemic that's still going you've got them getting the uh vaccine for the first time last week and yet you still have um, a lot of sick personnel, a lot of people who uh, have COVID there. Now, they don't release the exact numbers because of OPSEC, but um, uh, apparently there are nearly 200 um, that you know, have been reported to have had COVID symptoms or put into quarantine. So with this as the backdrop, um, you know, we have sports on a hold. No one is playing. They just put out a release today that the baseball game scheduled for this week has been canceled. They're trying to find alternate dates. Uh, the one thing that hasn't been canceled, though, and I'll kick it right to Bill Wagner to start off the discussion, is the ability for Naval Academy wrestlers to take part in the NCAA championships. I believe we have nine uh, going. So, Wags, a little bit more color on the wrestling um, exception to this rule and what you think this current situation, which is big enough for them to put out emails about blatant disregards for orders from the commandant, how this might impact sports in the next coming weeks, because I don't know from where I sit, maybe sports doesn't happen for the rest of the spring. Well, it's not looking good. I think they'll be back before the end of the spring, but this pause is lasting way longer than, anyone expected and it's disappointing i mean 
I want to get out there and cover some lacrosse and baseball. And, you know, we were planning to be at the Army Navy track and field, sing second sports crew out there in force. And now it is getting to be Jeopardy. And I can tell you over the weekend, I, my email box got flooded with angry emails from parents of athletes who are getting sick of this and wondering why their athletes are not being allowed to, to pursue what they love. And it's disappointing. What I read this morning is that basically, and far be it from me to cast stones, because I haven't been forced to be on a ROM over at Bancroft Hall. So I don't know how bad it is and how mentally difficult it is, but it's disappointing to hear that midshipmen are quote unquote blatantly disregarding the rules set forth by the commandant and that that's why this is ex continuing for so darn long. They can't come out of ROM because nobody's obeying the rules. So very disappointing. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, it, I did find it. it. Navy is sending nine wrestlers to St. Louis for the NCAA championships. Um, I'm not exactly sure how all that works. I mean, everybody's on pause and I can hear the angry parents who send me emails asking me how in the world is wrestling being allowed to compete? Um, I can only guess it's because they're going somewhere else. Um, I guess they all tested negative. They're in good shape and they're now leaving the yard and getting away. I don't know what happens when they come back. Um, they're going to be out in St. Louis wrestling people from other schools, interacting with people from other schools in hotels. So I don't know. I guess maybe they have to quarantine somewhere when they return to Annapolis. Um, but yes, it is good news that at least the Navy wrestlers will be able to pursue All-American status, championships, if you will, placements at the NCAA. And you got kids like Cody Chibas and Tanner Schedule who are quite capable of becoming All-Americans. So that's exciting. At least gives me something to write about. Um, but yeah, it's disappointing. And I, I texted Chet Gladchuck today because this is a daily exercise now. I text Chet and say, any word about athletics returning to activities? And he says, still on hold. And uh, I hope this ends soon. Well, we're going to get a, a firsthand um, a description of what Rahm and Bancroft Hall is like from Lily Myers uh, when we interview her later in this podcast. But for now, uh, I'll kick it over to Ward. Ward, you, you just returned from some air travel. You've seen you know, the impact of COVID you know, both here and in Florida. Um, you're, you're back in the saddle now. What is your take on, on what the current state of affairs is? Well, I mean, all COVID is local, I guess, would be my general take. So you know, flew into Orlando, spent a couple days on the East Coast, went over to the West Coast. Um, I think in general, people are obeying the indoor protocols, but outdoors, all bets are off. I, I was in St. Pete's Beach and uh, it was spring break and it, it looked like the most crowded spring break you've ever seen on a beach. Um, no such thing as protocols. Now, my little posse obeyed protocols and we didn't intermingle with with strangers you were able to maintain social distancing but there were you know things happening where uh, large groups were you know packed together and they're living life you know with, with unencumbered by the threat of the pandemic and they're very thankful they said as much for governor DeSantis's posture 
flew Southwest back and forth. I know as you recently did, John, and, and the flights were packed, you know, middle seats, not, not unoccupied. I will say the flight attendants were very strict about mask protocols. And I think in general, everybody, uh, save one irate woman who had to be, you know, basically, uh, you know, disciplined by the flight attendant halfway through the flight. I was afraid we we're going to get in one of those divert scenarios where everybody break out their phones for YouTube friendly, you know, content, but we didn't get to that point. And by and large, the entire trip was not unpleasant. Um, so, and then you get back here and I read Wags's article about how we're extended indefinitely in terms of the ROM affecting athletics. So I don't want to say alternate reality, but the brigade is reacting as the brigade reacts based on the data, based on the trends. And so as Wags pointed out, you know, this, and I know this is frustrating the Don and the soup. And that's why now you go for the Dracronian thing, which is we're going to fry you, you know? And so it's like morale suppression X plus one. Not only are you losing your undergraduate existence because of this pandemic, but now if you do not behave and, you know, stay away from each other and fully, you know, comply with the protocols, we're going to fry you, you know, give you demerits. And so that I know, and it'll be great to hear from Lily and on Sat Mid, um, although I guess on Sat's out in town, so he's living a different, different vibe, but uh, it'll be great to hear her take on, on how it's going. You know, and as we've said before, our heart goes out and our spirit is with the brigade and hopefully everybody gets the, you know, Fauci ouchie and we can get back to normal. That's going to be something we're just going to have to push through, you know, and as we've said, we got meds all over the place in different circumstances and to get it all back in the yard, back to normal by some date. um, That's a, a tall order as we sit here. So... You know, again, for this episode, I'm I'm interested to hear what Lily has to say about how things are going. Chris, what's your take? I'm actually okay with where we are. The pandemic and and 200 mids or so sick, notwithstanding. I I mean, I think they're doing the best they can. I think that that's what we're going to hear from Lily and from Unsat. Um, They're they're trying to make it work. They're isolating in Bancroft Hall. There are uh, mids that um, are are out in town, and then there are mids at, at their sponsors. And I think that they are biding their time doing as much uh, of the three legs of the mission that they can um, in order to not make the year a complete loss, um, as is the fleet. I mean, you know, the, the approach that the Naval Academy is taking is not that different than what's going on in the fleet in, in terms of doing their best to protect sailors. Uh, and Marines and, and um, you know, and when sailors and Marines are, are not being smart, unfortunately, there are draconian uh, methods that are employed in the fleet as well. So, again, I, I remain proud of uh, the approach that the Academy is taking. Yeah, I, I echo that. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to make this podcast about political issues, but, you know, a lot of people in the greater society look at the Naval Academy's approach to this as like cancel culture, right? Like, hey, if if you're not playing by the exact COVID rules, then you're done. Yeah, then we're going to fry you. And and unfortunately, you know, bringing it back to just sports, hey, that that's what happened to Duke in the ACC tournament. Like, hey, you got a COVID case, you're gonzo, you're out. It happened to Virginia. 
it's happening to Gina Oriema um, of the Yukon Huskies women's team. Like you get COVID, um, you know, it, it might not be your fault. You might have followed all of the proper precautions and safety measures, but when you get it, it has repercussions. And when your program gets it, it has repercussions. And we saw what it did to the Navy basketball team. Um, you know, with regard to Richard Najoku and Cam Davis, we saw what it did to Duke in the ACC tournament. Um, and we're seeing what it does, you know, writ large in society. So I really don't know what else the, the Naval Academy can rely upon in order to hold people accountable because, you know, yeah, the, the people who are blowing up Wags's inbox want their kids to play sports. But you know what? We can't play sports as long as this is continuing to go on. All right. You know, it, if if Duke basketball is held accountable, you know, of, of all the people who are never held accountable out there, then then yeah, then then I think that midshipmen should be held accountable for for COVID as well. So we'll see how this develops. Um, we'll obviously be informed by what we hear from Lily Myers and uh, Unsat Mid, and as well how the the vaccine administration is going and how it's affecting uh, maybe track and field with coach Jamie Cook. So stick with us. We're going to go to those interviews and we'll be right back. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at we sing second. That's at we sing second. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, we're back. Uh, we are back here with our student segment uh, joining us from the uh, from their legendary status on Twitter is Unsat Mid and Lily Myers. Um, now we talk a lot about interviewing athletes on this show and talking about the importance of the physical mission. And what we don't talk about enough is that everyone is an athlete um, at the Naval Academy. The physical mission is a core requirement. And whether it's D1 or club or intramural, everyone plays. And so getting that perspective is critical to us, uh, particularly now that all sports are on a 10-day hold. And basketball, unfortunately, was bounced from the Patriot League tournament this weekend. So let's start it off. Unsat Mid, a return, uh, a return guest to this uh, esteemed show. Give our listeners a little bit of a viewpoint on what's going on. You know, the the Capitol came out with a an article here at the beginning of March where midshipmen are being moved to local hotels as the cases of COVID have spiked. Um, you are one of those mids who got the accommodation to live with your sponsors. Give us an idea of what this is like, I, I know you couldn't have perceived that this is what your senior year would be like, or even the end of your junior year last year. What's this whole thing been like for you? So for me, on my side of things, living uh, with my sponsors, we, it's called the friends and family program. Basically the idea is I live, I live at my sponsor's house. Um, it is unreal. They are so incredible to me. So welcoming, like huge shout out to them. Um, and the idea is every single day I will go into go to drive to the yard and then go to class in-person classes, uh, get meals from King hall. Um, but as it is right now, I haven't touched the yard in about two weeks now. Um, haven't gone in for anything, uh, just eating McDonald's every day. 
And uh, it's it's been kind of nice. But I, for the whole thing that whatever happened was we went into soft ROM, which was kind of like this fake, like we're still doing in-person classes, but we can't do intramurals. Uh, and then everything kind of exploded. And then we had people going to hotels. And that's when we were told you're in hard ROM. You're not, you're basically not allowed to leave your room except for two hours a day. And we're going to track when you actually leave your room. So so morale is high. Um, oh, for I, me, I, I absolutely. Can... <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I am. Uh, uh, I, I hate to brag, Lily, but I'm getting Duncan every single day. So <laughs> uh, she's going to she's going to kill you. So um, so I could literally see our producer and class of 99 grad Christopher's head exploding as you were describing the, the life of Riley that you're enjoying at your sponsor's house. Um, you know, that's a that's a good segue. So first time visitor to the podcast. Also a bit of a uh, of a Twitter celebrity. We enjoy following her, Lily Myers. Lily, you know, first of all, as the first time on the pod, can you kind of tell your listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what your major is, and a little bit about what COVID has been for you personally, how difficult it's been as you navigate your first year? Yeah, so um, I'm Lily. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm in fourth company. Um, I'm an oceanography major. Um, I did a couple sports like Cleveland Youngster year. I was on the cross country team for a little bit and then on the sailing team. Um, then I quit both of those. Now I'm an ARP. It's awesome. Um, but honestly, like, yeah, COVID has like been really, really terrible. <laughs> Like, I did not expect, like, my, I guess, like, you, you, like, work your ass off for, like, the first two years of your academy time, and you're, like, you put all the effort in so that you can, like, have civvies and, like, leave, you know, and, um, like, not being able to, like, do either of those things, like, uh, I definitely have less freedom now as a firstie than I did as a plebe, which um, I, like, really didn't see coming, Um, so... Yeah, honestly, like I'm at the hall right now. Um, I'm not at my sponsors. I wish I had, uh, but they live like across the Bay Bridge. So that just would have been like really inconvenient to to drive back and forth every day. But honestly, like I haven't left my room in days. <laughs> I am. Yeah, we like open the, the blinds for some sunlight, you know, cause sometimes it's, it's too cold to like go on a walk. But um, it's not terrible. Like I as much as I'd love to like lament and like complain about it, I, I try to keep positive because like to just to like be miserable is like, so just hard, I think. So I'll kick it over here to Chris Cervello for a question uh, right after this. So for me, you know, we've talked to Mike and Allison Althouse before about what they give, um, you know, as, as friends of the program, not even as official sponsors, but just, you know, supporters of midshipmen and their mental health, you know, what, what does that resource mean to you and, and what other resources have you been able to rely upon, you know, following you on Twitter, you got to go home over the holidays and then it only snowed like a bazillion inches and you're like snowed in up there, I think. Yeah. So it's been a grind as you just described, what's, what's it been like to have these sources of, of support? Mike and Allie have honestly like been a godsend. Um, and like my sponsors here too are like amazing. And so to like, to like tweet about like how bad I want, like, you know, to like buy a hockey Jersey or like get Duncan and for them to like, just 
come through and completely like surprise me. Like they, uh, my roommate, Brittany, she's like, she tweeted last night about how she wanted like hint of lime chips and like Mike and Allie went out and bought a ton. And we're like, once you get out of ROM, bring them down, you know? So um, just to have these, like these resources, these people that are so willing to like see how shitty your life is and like try to like make it a little better, make your life like easier. is just so amazing. And like, I honestly like can't wait to like turn around and like do that for some shipment someday um just because like even if this was a normal year like I'd probably still be like um on the grind you know I probably still wouldn't be like what they like you know happy you know so um it's it honestly like means the world that I can like you know rely on these people um um to be like so supportive uh of like me and my classmates Chris? Yeah, I, I'm trying to take all, all this in because, um, well, one, thank you for for joining us, and it's important um, to to not only tell the stories of um, you know the athletes that are uh, traveling around and making do um, in COVID, but I think it's very important for our listeners to hear what life is like in the hall and the ups and the downs. And I, uh, you know, we've been lucky enough to have Unsat on it a few times, and Lily, thank you for joining us. Um, as much as I, I mean, cause I hear two things from you guys. Um, I hear just how hard it is, but I do hear kind of the excitement in your voice, Lily. And I hear the excitement in your voice on sad. I mean, you're where you want to be you're, and you guys are making the most of it. And that, that's kind of all you can do. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, I can tell you, I didn't have COVID when I went to the Naval Academy and I thought it sucked every day. Right. I mean, it's perspective. I, I mean, and I don't, I'm not bagging on the Academy. I mean, it's, you know, I put IHTFP in my ring and I, I thought I did hate that fucking place until I got out. And then you start to get more perspective. So I imagine you guys really hate that fucking place and hate COVID. And, but when you get out, you're going to realize how much you learned. And, um, I am interested in the leadership aspect and the physical aspect. Cause it would seem to me that going to class online would be difficult, but I mean, manageable, how are you able to do the leadership, um, your leadership responsibilities and the physical responsibilities? How, how hard is that? Can you guys talk a little bit about that for the, for the listeners? I mean, in terms of getting a sense of what your life is like. So for my side of things, living in, living off the yard, um, it's, it's really difficult to do the whole leadership side of the Academy right now. Um, especially like being virtual, like not being able to see face to face, like the people in my squad or anything like that, just having these virtual like zoom calls with my squad or my platoon. Um, it is, it, it, I'm, I hate to say, but I just don't think it works that well. Um, it's, it's much more different. Um, when you're having like a squad lunch and you're like, I'm eating McDonald's and they're eating like the slop they give in King hall. And it's like, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I have a target on my back sometimes, like trying to brag. And I'm just like, no, I'm just trying to figure this out. But I think it's really hard to do the leadership aspect. And then I can't really say from a, at least from a sponsor side of things, it's easy to do the, the physical side. I've already done my PRT. Um, I have a, a nice treadmill elliptical, like small home gym to work out in if I need to. Um, so stuff like that. But for me, it really sucks to not have club sports. Cause I do many club sports and not being able, I haven't been able to do anything with club sports this year at all. I had one practice and that was it. And then it got shut down. Um, and so like not being able to see my teammates, I think that's a huge leadership aspect is like my teammates from 
and especially my, my first year classmates um, on my teams, uh, that's, I, I think we're losing a lot on the club sports side because um, there's a lot of leadership to be learned. Um, so yeah, I just think it's, it's really, really difficult. And from the sponsor, like live commuter side, it's, it's, it's really hard to get that leadership side in. Lily? Yeah. I would say like my life is a lot easier in that way. Um, actually like I got, I got ops drafted, so I'm ops for my company, and the commuters are, like, literally the biggest pains in my ass because they, like, don't answer their emails, you know? They, like, never do anything. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at them. I don't hate them because if I was a commuter, I'd be doing the same exact thing, so I don't really, like, mind, uh, like, having to, you know, track people down, shoot them a text or whatever, but, um, like, to be in the hall and to have, like, this kind of leadership it's just hard to like engage people I think is the biggest thing like you can you can give people the google meets you can you know introduce them to new leaders to like get people to talk and you know um but like to actually like um engage midshipmen like I feel like has to happen at the squad leader level and unfortunately like this is so hard that like a lot of squad leaders just don't like can't even like muster the energy to like really work on engaging people um which is which is kind of sad so i've i've definitely tried uh to like engage my company um so that's i mean we're working on it it's going okay everything's like online so like it's as much as you can do uh but it's not it's yeah it's not ideal for sure so for you, Lily, as a slow, and, and remind me again, I think you picked a DDG out of, out of Ikuska, right? What was, your, uh, what was your ship selection? Oh, it's, it was a cruiser, uh, the USS Shiloh. Shiloh, and that's out of Yakuska, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. So um, walk me through, you know, from when COVID first hit, you know, kind of almost in the middle of your uh, junior year, did you get a first class cruise, which I presume you did not? And how prepped do you feel? How ready do you feel um, to, to you know, put on your steel toe boots and, and get out there in the fleet and lead um, a division on, on a cruiser, you know, having missed out on so much training to include first class crews and, and other things that typically happen should there not have been COVID? So I'm kind of like a weird case. Um, like I was, I, I'm a nuke. So I like, and I early selected. So I kind of like knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, but the way that I picked it was that I knew I didn't want to do anything else. <laughs> um, Cause I get airsick really easily. So I was like, I can't be a pilot, can't be an NFO. Um, I just, I like was on a sub, but I was, I didn't really want to like go to school afterwards. So for me, like the nuke pipeline seemed like the best, you know, like I could do a little bit of the slow thing and then have like this little mini shore tour in Charleston and then like go back to the ship. Um, so honestly though, like the whole, like ever from what I've heard, like no matter what, like academy grads like are well prepared, but it's kind of like ROTC grads are almost just as prepared and so are OCS grads so in my brain I'm like you know what everybody gets out there they have no clue what they're doing um so like me getting out there like I'm not could be special like not 
knowing what I'm doing. Um, and that, that's kind of like my mindset with a lot of things. Like, yeah, this sucks, but like I'm doing it with like 4,000 other people at the same time. So like, am I really that special? Like, no, <laughs> you know, like my plight is not, you know, nearly as hard as like someone who's actually, you know, doesn't have Wi-Fi, doesn't have like air conditioning, doesn't have heating, you know, all like doesn't get food, you know. So um, in my brain, I'm like, you know, I feel like this place has prepared me. Um, and COVID has definitely made me like a lot more flexible. Um, and I think like the biggest thing I can do to be prepared is to understand that like I'm going to go out there. I'm going to have no clue what I'm doing and it's going to be really hard. Um, so. Well, if Ensign Schofield ever made it through uh, a, uh, a first slow tour, anyone can, I can assure you of that. Um, as we go out, if we have a, you know, a parent listening to this podcast or maybe a senior or junior in high school listening to this podcast, wondering if they should make the decision to go to the Naval Academy, understanding that COVID has colored your experience here, what, what elevator speech, what one sentence um, or a couple of sentence, you know, pep talk or advice would you give to anyone considering coming to the U.S. Naval Academy right now? I'll start with you on top. The one word of advice for someone who wants to come to the Naval Academy, if you do end up here, I think that's the word of advice I'll give is even at the, the suckiest of times, you need to understand that you wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. Um, so that's during during plebe summer. I, that's the one thing that got me through plebe summer was I thought to myself, I don't care how like how how long we're holding this plank. Like I literally would not want to be anywhere else in the entire world. This is exactly where I, I want to be. Um, and I, and I know, and now in four months, I'm going to be missing that. I'm, I'm going to say that's at least I had that mindset. So the only other place in the world or the, the only place in the world I'd want to be is at the Naval Academy. That's, that's my word of advice. Lily. Yeah. So I, uh, on the other hand, definitely can think of a lot of places I'd rather be right now, namely, you know, my home with my siblings and my family. But, um, I, I do agree with Unsad. Like this place is going to challenge you. It's going to break you down and build you back up again. But the people you're going to meet, the connections you're going to make, the life you're going to live afterwards, you know, the, the cool job you're going to have, like, it's all going to be worth it. And honestly, like, I know that even though like this sucked, I'm going to look back on it very fondly. Um, remember all the time I spent all the people I met and all the really, really awesome experiences that I've, that I've been able to have. Well, uh, it gets really no better than that. So I'll shut up. Um, for, uh, Chris Ravello and Ward Carroll and, um, and Bill Wagner, our special guest uh, from the Capital Gazette. Um, thank you so much to Unsat Mid and Lily Myers for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thank you for your words. Thank you for sticking with it. And um, if you guys need anything, please call upon the Sing Second Sports crew. Thank you uh, from us to you, and good luck navigating the last couple of months of the dark ages. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield. Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, 
please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us here on Sing Second Sports. So happy to be joined here in our coaches segment by track and field coach at the Naval Academy, Jamie Cook. Uh, I will spare you the very long um, and very, very impressive bio, but uh, Coach Cook graduated from Penn State, uh, also worked at uh, UPenn, also coached at Oregon, has been the coach at the Naval Academy since 2017 and was recently named the Coach of the Year. So, Jamie Cook, thank you so much for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, so let's walk through this. We've asked Karen Gabera, we've asked Ed Gicellis, we've asked... Niamat, we've asked everybody, including Chet, how are you dealing with this, not only personally, but professionally as a leader of young athletes? How are you navigating them through this when you yourself personally with a wife and children and a family and and everything else going on? How do you navigate a a very difficult to navigate time? Well, um, the way I've navigated it is is to be honest and transparent, and it's been tough. It's been it's been extremely tough on me and my family. Uh, I think it's been tough on the kids here at the academy. Um, but I always go back to the things that I can control versus the things that I can't. And so I think you recognize that there's a problem. You recognize the difficulty. You establish that. You uh, identify it, and then you try to move past it. You know, our job is about uh, you know overcoming obstacles and challenges and finding solutions. And I think um, that's what Chet wants us to find, uh, Mr. Gladchuk, and, and knowing that we can find solutions for our team and, and work through them. So only so much you can control. And I think uh, the more you understand that and the more you communicate that with the team, um, they're going to be ready to compete because they're competitors and we prepare them for that. But uh, there's only so much you can do. But uh, is it challenging? Is it tough? Yeah, absolutely. So as you, a quick follow-up, as you embrace that philosophy, how are you applying it to convincing young athletes to come to the Naval Academy? Your experience, you want to talk about top-of-the-line athletic facilities, that's what you've got at Oregon. You want to talk about top-of-the-line academic experience and athletic experience, that we, that's what you have at UPenn. How are you attracting recruits during a time of uncertainty to, to sign up? for not only a very difficult experience in school, but a life of service, or at least a very short career, at least five years of service after their career at the Naval Academy. How are you pitching young athletes to come and be a part of this experience? That's a really good question. I think um, I have a a fantastic staff that works day to day and, you know, minute by minute with the challenges that are, you know, thrown at us. And we do a really good job of uh, identifying the the objective of why people want to come to the academy. You know, they want to challenge themselves. They want to serve. They understand the three-part mission. We do a really good job of conveying that. Um, I want kids who who love to compete first and foremost. Um, every day is an opportunity to compete. You know, the world is a very competitive place, as we know. Um, and I think it's just, do they fit well with the personality of the program? Do they fit well with our coaches? Um, we take a lot of pride that a lot of our kids who come into the program, you know, treat it like a family. And we don't have a lot of kids who ever leave our program. Um, that transfer portal right now is, is huge and open. And um, luckily, we've not had a lot of kids who go there. So 
I think we do a really good job of the three parts that we can control. Um, I think you want to identify talent, you want to develop talent, and you want to retain the talent that you have. And I'd say in all three aspects, we do a really good job. It's been challenging with the emissions um, issues we've had in the last year, but we've working, we're working through those. And I think we're trying to get better every day. And uh, again, it's just the right kind of fit for the kids that we look at. Um, and it takes time to develop that. But there are a lot of options, but uh, some of our key competitors, you know, aren't even competing this this spring. You know, we look at the Ivy League schools, they're not even competing. So, you know, for a lot of kids who are looking at the Ivy League, it's going to be two years without competing in outdoor track and field. So uh, that's a typical competitor of ours. But hey, free education, the ability to serve, fantastic facilities, world-class coaching staff. Um, you know, we just brought on our Devin Allen, who's a volunteer coach who I'm continuing to coach right now, fifth in the Olympics, um, Olympic trials champion. You know, I, we have a great staff and uh, kids who want to be part of the academy should really look hard at the at what we have to offer. And um, not only just from a regional perspective, but I think we're becoming more of a national name as well. Hey, coach, I'll jump in. First of all, congratulations on that coach of the year honor. Well-deserved. I'm so happy to see you recognized. Let's talk briefly about the indoor season, as brief as it was. And the highlight, obviously, was you swept Army in the star meets. They were both up there at West Point. Uh, the men's track and field team beat Army at West Point for the first time since 2015. Let's talk real quick about the men and that particular meet. I'm looking at, you know, a lot of Caden Daly, Nasha Houston, Zachary Peterson, Eli Lake, Spencer Eves, Jordan Payton, Payne, Bayes Autry. There are so many guys that had big days. I think, did you win every single event in the Army-Navy meet on the men's side? No, we didn't. We would have liked to, but we didn't. Um, but we're, we're getting there, and we did a really good job. I mean, I think if you go through some of those names, when you, when you talk about those kids, you know, Caden Daly, Virginia, Nick. Nashon Houston, Missouri, you know, we got the, the mid Atlantic covered. We got uh, Clayton Thompson down in Texas. We got, you know, people from all over the country coming to help our program, Eli Lake, South Carolina. I mean, we've got guys that have come from everywhere that uh, want to be part of our program and to see them succeed was, uh, was really exciting for us and our staff. So on the women's side coach, it was a little bit tighter. Uh, 98, 83, you win. And I'll mention a couple of the performers that did well. Um, you had Hannah Lowenstein, Molly Chapman tying for first place in the high jump, uh, running events, Maddie Warrender and Emily Craig, second and third in the mile. Um, talk a little bit about the women's team, if you will, coach. Yeah, I mean, I think it was an equally dominating performance on the women's side. I think we had a lot of key contributors. I mean, Molly Mangan is one who stands out to me, um, winning the 60, the 200, the four by four. Um, she's just been solid for us all year long. Sam Ori's created had a fan, been a fantastic leader since she's been here in the throws. Um, set some two school records the following weekend, I believe. Chelsea Edwards has just been since day one um, leading by example and has been a key contributor. I think she's a school record holder in the four by one, the four by four, the four hundred. Um, you know, there's just names up and down the board. The mid distance group is really starting to come alive. Coach Loomis has done a fantastic job uh, with them. So, you know, I mean, again. Our kids are doing great. They're working hard. They're buying into what we're, you know, trying to promote in our program. But to answer the question with the women, yeah, they're doing fantastic. The guys are too. It goes back to my staff. You know, I mentioned Coach Lunas. 
who was a Cornell grad. Um, Coach Bobby Carter in the jumps did a fantastic job with Caden Daly um, this year on the men's side. And um, Audrey Fernandez and Molly Chapman. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, Coach Delgado, Joe Delgado, was a decathlete of mine at Oregon who I brought over a few years back. He's done great. Coach Lanzel on the men's distance side has been a regional coach of the year. Um, coach Quill in the pole vault, one, two, three in both pole vaults. So, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And, and the, the biggest one, I guess, has been an 89 grad, Chris Campbell, who's been our associate head coach and kind of my right-hand man since I've been here. I wouldn't be able to do any of these things without, without a tremendous coaching staff. So we're very lucky um, that uh, we feel like we're, we're really, really gaining some momentum as we build the program. And Chris also coaches the throws, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, like I said, with, with those guys and what they've done and, you know, Sam getting two school records this year indoors and Zach Peterson really coming along. Um, it's, it's, it's a developmental program that we are starting to get some bigger talent to come in. So, you know, better talent with, you know, the right coaching and the right environment is going to create some really big performances soon. Let's look ahead to the outdoor season. And, um, you and I talked when the Patriot League announced its schedule format and how this whole spring semester was going to work. I know you were disappointed that the indoor season was going to be so truncated and there would not be a Patriot League championships. But I was I was under the belief that the outdoor season would be much more robust. Um, I'm a little surprised to see a schedule in which is the Navy spring meet and the Army star meet, and that that's it. Um, is there a chance to add more competitions? And if not, why, why are we here? I, I mean, it seems to me that outdoor track and field is safe, um, can be done in a safe manner. I, I'm surprised that we only have two events leading up to the Patriot League Outdoor Championships. Well, we actually have a few more we've been adding to our schedule. Next weekend, we're going to UVA for a meet. Um, my former boss at Oregon is now at UVA, so we worked out a good meet with them. Um, it's local. Uh, the, 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 the problem right now, I guess, is you run the risk on two factors is, um, you know, any type of travel, we, we don't want to do any overnight trips. You know, we want to be cognizant of the fact that we want to be, um, you know, not spending too much time away, um, from a, from a health standpoint, from a financial, um, idea as well with trying to be, you know, sensitive to this, the fact of the athletic department. So we're not going to go to pen relays this year. That's just been canceled. Um, we probably wouldn't have gone anyway because it's the week before, our conference meet and we don't want to run the risk of having kids contract something based on, you know, who else is there. So when we talked a few months ago, it's not the same schedule, but we're adding things. We're going to add a few more home meets. Um, we're lucky to have a fantastic outdoor facility. Um, one of the fastest tracks in the world, same service that was used in the Olympics. So, you know, we have a fantastic outdoor facility. We just don't want to have too many teams come just from a safety perspective, any testing that we have to do, we have to make sure that other schools follow. So that's kind of been been new lately. Um, we're doing the best that we can, but, you know, we're going to try to be prepared for the Army meet and be prepared for the outdoor championships and then get as many people to the national championships as possible. Um, also, Olympic trials year out in Oregon. So it's a long season. We just have to be patient and, and kind of stay focused on what we can tr control and, and paying attention to the process in terms of getting to that to those bigger meets. So dovetailing with what you just brought up, Patriot League Outdoor Championships will be held April 30th, May 1st at West Point. Uh, who on both the men's and women's side are athletes that we think can be Patriot League champions, NCAA qualifiers? 
Um, I think we have some pretty, like, I think the names have been mentioned already. You know, we got, um, Clayton Thompson, who, who's a school record holder in multiple events. He would have, he would have been a national qualifier in the heptathlon for sure. If we had to meet, um, he wasn't able to compete. Um, there's other people that are coming up that I think are really like Molly, Molly Mangan is someone Eli Lake who potentially could make it. Um, we have our javelin throwers, Emma Foster, who's fantastic. Hayden Fox. Um, we have, geez, I don't know how many different people, uh, our women's four by four strong Our men's four by four is already gone. Eric Huey, Simon Petch, um, Chloe Alfieri, you know, there's a lot of good people in that group. Um, not to mention, I didn't get into the mid distance or the distance coach Lanzo done a fantastic job. Um, Julian Perez was the favorite to go into cross country last weekend. Wasn't able to run. Um, he's a fiery competitor. I love, I love what he brings to the, to the table as a captain and as a leader of our group. Um, Ashwin Briggs is another person who stands out to me. Uh, Alex Rizzo. Uh, we have, how would say 15 or 20 people that I think are in that national talk. Uh, anybody who's been close to a school record or who has broken a school record, which I think we had 10 times our school records were broken this year. So that's, that's significant when you've talked about the history of our program. So, um, yeah, that's a big meet that we look towards. We just hope for good weather and, and, um, a, a smooth ride leading up. Talking about history of the program. I mean, Navy track and field slash cross country had uh, some really veteran coaches. You replaced Tony Cooksey. Um, Al Cantello retired. Carla Christie retired. Um, I mean, they all did a fantastic job, but the good news is new blood, young energy, enthusiasm, et cetera. Um, I think you've already alluded to, but I believe you feel quite pleased and content with the overall staffing of track and field and cross country. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some names and some legends in the sport, you know, Steve Cooksey, uh, Al Cantello, you know, those names that uh, I've had to follow are, and they're great people, you know, so that's the thing with Coach Cooksey coming in to, re to replace him. It's, it's, um, it's a challenge, but I think as a staff and taking over the women's program um, with Carla, you know, moving over to PE, I think it's, it's, a, it's been a challenge. It's not been easy, but I think it's been, it's elevated the women's program, and I think it's brought more, um, more fun to the men's side as well. They get a chance to interact with the women on a daily basis. And, you know, from a leadership perspective, you're going to be out there in the fleet with both genders. So, you know, why not do it in practice? So, um, yeah, I'm happy with where the program is, but we always want more. And I think that's, as a competitor, you always want to get better and want to look to areas where you can improve. So we're going to continue to, to try to get better every day and, and see how the outdoor season goes. How are your firsties doing? Um, knowing that so much has been lost and so much of their spring semester is different, how are they holding up and how are they leading the younger people, showing them that sometimes adversity is a good thing? That's a tough question. I mean, I think they're, they're doing like you and I have been doing. I mean, it's every day is tough. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough. We have tremendous leadership on our team and tremendous leadership, you know, that represents our team within the brigade. I mean, Sydney Barber is a, you know, first female African-American midshipman to, be, to lead the brigade. Uh, I spoke with her yesterday and, you know, she's been dealing with things and, you know, a lot of sleepless nights for her to try to help um, lead the group. <clears throat> Is it easy? No, but, you know, you have to, you have a responsibility and you want to try to make sure that you uphold that responsibility. So, you know, to get the feedback from them, it's tough, but man, we got a resilient bunch and these kids are great. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been at a lot of schools 
you know, at a pretty, pretty athletic school at Penn state when I competed and then, you know, a very academic school at Penn and, you know, go back to Oregon where we had a tremendous amount of success. And the toughness of the kids here is, is something like I'd never seen. And, um, when you talk about being ready to prepare themselves for the future, uh, I couldn't be any more proud of this group and in what they do on a daily basis. It's almost like I don't even, you know, anything thrown at them is, I know they can handle, but as a, as an 18 to 22 year old, I handled things pretty well. I don't know if I would have handled it as well as they've handled it. So it's just, uh, my hats go off to those guys and, and hopefully we can do it for a few more months and this things, things start to open up. Um, beautiful day yesterday, weather wise, you know, they got to love being outside, just trying to get something in and, and we get back to, to competition, hopefully very soon Monday. I'm looking forward to, I talked to Mr. Gladchuk last night in an email and just, Hey, we're ready to get back to work. And, um, he kind of gave me the thumbs up and we're doing everything we can. It's just a matter of, uh, being patient and controlling what we can control, like we said before, but, you know, we are trying to be cognizant of how these guys are feeling and be sensitive to the fact that it's, it's difficult on them. So, but, uh, again, they've done a great job and very happy how they've handled it. Before you let the coach go, I just want to comment on one of the things that he said. Um, I'm really glad to hear coach that the track has gotten faster. I know when I was there and struggled uh, with my mile and a half on that track, I, I could have used those extra seconds uh, as I made my six laps around uh, sure. around the track, uh, you, you know, twice a year. So uh, good luck to you and, and your folks uh, as they compete the rest of the season and as you uh, as you move through uh, the summer and into hopefully what's a normal fall and spring next year. Best of luck. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Appreciate the support. My, my finest memory, Chris, was my final PRT in the Navy. Chubby Commander Schofield was, they put the like the little banks up in Wesley Brown. So you're like, when you're running around in your lap, you're actually like on a downhill as you hit the, the turns. I think I got like an 1115. I was flying that day. When I was there, it felt like it was uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach Cook, thank you so much for dealing with us slow, fat, uh, unathletic guys. Uh, to talk about uh, fast and skinny, very athletic Naval Academy athletes. And thank you for what you do. And congratulations again on your Coach of the Year accolades. Here's to having a successful spring season, hopefully a very full spring season as, uh, as the vaccine is administered and hopefully we can get back to a full schedule. Coach Jamie Cook of Navy Track and Field, thank you so much. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Uh, great time talking to uh, the mids um, and hearing about the awesome life that uh, Unsat gets to gets to live at his sponsor's house while Lily Myers is romming in the uh, in the hall. And then also great to talk to uh, coaches. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. The, the messages that we get from the coaches and athletes are just so reinvigorating, um, particularly during such a tough time like this. So, um you know, we're, we're obviously very mindful of the impact that this is having um, no sports, ROM on the yard, COVID in general 
the impact it's having on the uh, midshipmen um, at the Naval Academy and, and really students everywhere. And, and this is our public service announcement to you know, you, you don't have to be Mike and Allison Althouse to look out for the, mid, for the midshipmen out there, to, to keep an eye on them on social media, to take care of them where you can. You know, don't violate the, the regulations that have been set down to help them deal with COVID. But this is our public service announcement to everyone out there to, to support and, and love the Brigade of Midshipmen because they need it right now for sure. Um, so as we look out on the horizon, um, you know, the one of the other impacts of COVID has been, you know, as Bill Wagner's story intimated, that uh, the Navy uh, basketball team that had such a great year um, will not be participating in the NIT. They were not able to participate in the NIT because of the COVID protocols. So um, no March Madness for us uh, here at Sing Second Sports, except for our ESPN Tournament Challenge bracket. Um, So if you go to ESPN and hit on uh, Men's Tournament Challenge, Our group is called the Sing Second Sports Scene. You can enter in a bracket and whoever wins uh, will have um, a nice Sing Second Sports gift package mailed to them from our trusted uh, producer, Chris Cervello. We already have a bunch of people, including Mike Althouse, Unsats in there. I've made my pick. Um, I'm not going to give it away right now, but I have a Big Ten team winning the national championship. So please sign up uh, for our bracket on ESPN Men's Tournament Challenge. The group is called Second Sports Scene. So that's what I'm looking forward to. In addition to Colgate upsetting Arkansas and Winthrop probably upsetting my alma mater, Villanova University. Ward, I'll kick it to you. What are you looking forward to this coming week? I know it's not Naval Academy sports because there aren't any, but the, the tournament starts. What are you looking at? Well, first off, I was, uh, what's the word, disappointed how Loyola got more or less crushed by Colgate. So, again, what that says to me is Navy had a chance to advance and, you know, get to the, the show uh, were it not for, let's just call it, the, the, the impact of COVID on the team and so forth. Um, beyond that, um, I look forward to signing up for our bracket. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, so uh, I haven't really put my thoughts together about who I like in the uh, March Madness, but I will do that soonest. Also, uh, in terms of the world of golf, uh, I will say I'm glad Justin Thomas won last weekend at the Players. Uh, I think he's a, a great guy who, who uttered something and had a challenging situation early in the season. Uh, and as we know, in this cancel culture in which we live, I think he was, you know, dealing with what comes with that. Uh, and you just think of some of the, the casual comments that we make on the course. And, you know, thank God we're not, you know, wearing microphones or have microphones nearby. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I, I'm just glad he won because I think he's a, a good guy who he's tried his best to atone for that offhanded remark that was way out of bounds, admittedly, uh, but it's good to see him, his talent shine in that, that tough, uh, tough course. That was a, a great finish, came from seven behind, which is the record in terms of coming from behind. I cannot remember a golf shot that excited me the way that Justin Thomas's five wood on 18 did when he tried to lay it out there to the right, 
puts a little bit too much of a draw on it, basically rides the water. And the first bounce that this five wood gets could have basically gone right into the water, almost bounced over the water and then got like a hundred yards of run after that to give him like 120 in to 18 to basically seal it. I just thought it was the most unbelievable golf shot I had seen. Chris, I think you were there, but what was your take having having walked the course with the pros? You know, it looked like a lot of fans there. What was it like? I'll relate this back to to Navy. Um, one, I mean, it was disappointing. Um, none of the there were no there was no military presence this year. Um, they the veterans tent, which is um, very well attended uh, and very well supported in the greater Jacks area. Um, because of COVID precautions, uh, wasn't there. Um, and then, you, you know, active duty and families were, were not allowed to be there. Um, so both from the uh, Navy region Southeast policy side, and then they didn't give away the military tickets that they normally give away, um, you know, in order to support that decision by Navy region Southwest. Um, they had 20% um, capacity. Um, so it, it was a, a thin crowd, but it was a responsible crowd, uh, so, sort of counter to the rest of the, the Florida culture that you run into when, when you're out to, towards point earlier. Um, and I do think that, I mean, golf kind of prides itself on being um, a model for other sports. And so whether that's uh, collegiate sports, when we get back into the fall, depending on where we are, uh, COVID wise, or, or if we're able to get the spring sports up and up and running again, and, and there are uh, spectators there, they kind of, uh, along with NASCAR, actually, I mean, you, you know, pride themselves on being the example that others can, uh, can draw from. So it, it was a, a great weekend, uh, even without that uh, robust military presence. Wags, I know that you're interviewing Kerry Colat here pretty soon to talk about the NCAA uh, championships for wrestling. What else are you keeping your eye on? Well, Navy football is hoping to get a spring practice in. They didn't have one last year, and that was the beginning of the downfall of Navy football. If you, you know, Coach Kenny Amatololo believes it all started going south right then. No, no spring football camp, which is a huge piece. He called it the flower that helps make the cake. You can't have the cake without any flour, and spring football was the flour, and it was a missing ingredient. So. Uh, Coach Nehemiah wanted to, he told me last week he wanted to start spring football yesterday, Monday. And uh, because of this extended shutdown of athletics, he's now had to punt until next Monday. So uh, hopefully Navy football takes the field next Monday. And uh, the news that came out yesterday, we had a little Zoom presser with Coach Nehemiah in which he talked about a variety of topics. But the, the, the story of interest was that Tiger Goslin, who is one of only two quarterbacks that have actually played in games, has been moved to slot back. Um, I don't know if this is to, you know, make it quite clear that Xavier Arline is the starting quarterback and, you know, he's head and shoulders above the rest. The, uh, the, the other quarterbacks have never played a, in a varsity game. Well, Masai Maynor played a little bit at the end of the Air Force game, and that's it. Um, and then he's on the depth chart with two plebes, Jaden Umbarger, and uh, Ty Lavatai, uh, that's our, our we love Ty, um, but uh, the, they didn't even get to play in JV games last spring, fall because there were none. So you know they're on the depth chart and they haven't done anything other than operate on the scout team. So uh, kind of interesting that you would take a very experienced quarterback like Tiger Goslin and move him to slot back. But we've seen that they can move back if something happened. 
they, they could easily move Tiger Goslin back to quarterback from slot back. You're part of the offense. You know the offense. Uh, Jared Bryant did that years ago. He played slot back. Then somebody got injured. He Next you know, he's playing quarterback. It, it happens. Well, yeah, Malcolm, I, I know that. Yeah, Malcolm was a great example of it, so where it turned yeah. around. And, and that's the flexibility of the football system, right? You know, what, what IJ and, and Kenny have installed, you know, is that you can plug and play, you can experiment. But to Wags's point, you do that in the spring. Losing the spring last year forced us to do it in the fall, and then we saw the results on the field. So best of luck to them. Always hoping that spring practice results in no injuries, but yet reveals what your strengths and weaknesses are so that the upcoming football season can be a success. And, and a reminder that, you know, you blink your eyes. Here we are. We're right at like the one year mark when the world shut down last year for COVID. Um, and that time certainly seemed to go by slowly at times and it went by quick um, at times. And I think we're going to blink our eyes and all of a sudden Marshall is going to be uh, is going to be coming into Navy Marine Corps Stadium for the beginning of the uh, of the 2021 uh, Navy football season. So uh, hopefully that goes well. As we go out here, I'll I'll give a little shout out um, to Garrett Moyer, class of 2016, um, at the Naval Academy, member of the golf team when he was here. Um, I was very happy to kind of unofficially sponsor him um, when he was a midshipman. Came back into town. He's an E2 NFO. Um, was very happy to play the blues with him from a very chilly Naval Academy golf course yesterday and shot an 88 from the blues. I was pretty pumped with that, but the, uh, the weather this weekend looks great for the men's group ward, hit him straight on Saturday where it'll be 50 and sunny. And for wags and ward, it's supposed to be 60 and mostly sunny on Monday. So if you want to play Monday morning, I say we uh, work that into the schedule. So for Chris Cervello, who does so much hard work to produce this podcast every week and edit out our long diatribes and, and, and long-winded questions. Uh, Ward Carroll, welcome back from Florida. Hit him straight on Saturday. And Bill Wagner, so fun to tee it up with you this past weekend as well. Uh, have a great week, gentlemen. Please wear a mask. Please be good to each other. Go Navy. Beat Army. This is Sinkin Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. 